Yo, this is David, back again with another episode of the Blood and Fire Radio Podcast. This is episode number 125. I hope you liked the last one, the themed one. I really enjoyed putting that one together. Uh, But we got some good stuff on this one, some newer stuff. Um, There's a few kind of oldies mixed in there, but yeah, there's a lot of newer tracks that have come out that I think are really cool and worth sharing so uh, i've packed several of them into this episode all right let's uh jump on in here this band formed in 93 from norway and they uh, blew up into one of the biggest names in black metal although the degree to which their music is considered black metal is uh, up for debate of course but that band is dimu borgir and um what made me want to play them on this episode is that they're about to release this EP. Well, they I, they may have already released it by now, but they're I think they're going to release a full-blown remixed and remastered version of the album Puritanical Euphoric Misanthropia, which of course came out in 2001, and that really uh, kind of put them at the, the next level of popularity and everything like that. It really launched them into the next phase of their career. Uh, The production was crystal clear, super in-your-face, punchy drums and everything. So to me, you know, whether or not it's black metal or whatever, you can debate all you want. But the fact is, it's an awesome record. Um, And it was one that my friend Chris got into heavily. And, um, you know, eventually I got into it as well. Uh, I've mentioned it (laughs) several times that he always managed to get into this stuff first and then he would show it to me and it would kind of take me a little while but then I would eventually uh, grow to to love it as well. But yeah, this was the album um, that really captured my attention for sure. So when I heard they were remixing and remastering it, I was a little uh, hesitant about that but I think that they're kind of following suit um, with Mayhem because Mayhem remixed and remastered Grand Declaration of War and they really kind of uh, went out of their way to make the drums sound more natural. And I think that's what's going on here as well, is that uh, some people maybe complained that the drums were too loud in the mix. Uh, I think even Nick Barker said that he felt like the drums were just a touch too loud. Um, So it basically feels like it's just more guitar forward. Um, The drums have been toned down a tiny bit. The kick drums have been toned down a tiny bit. The toms especially are much wetter. There's more echo. Um, on the toms and those are the most noticeable differences to me Uh, it's just the guitars are up drums are down they added some echo on the toms but that's about it overall they maintained the same you know feel uh, from the original so they have not released the full-fledged like album of this the remixed and remastered album but they did uh, release um, a single part of an EP just kind of like a rehearsal of the song Puritania like the demo version of it and then this um, remixed version of this song here as kind of a teaser I guess so as I said Puritanical Euphoric Misanthropia came out in March of 2001 through Nuclear Blast it was their fifth album out of nine I think they're up to now I'm, I'm not including the the uh, remake of Storm Blast I'm um, just talking original material here so they got nine records now supposedly working on a new one but they've been saying that for like three years So we'll see whenever that comes to fruition. So here we go, off of Puritanical Euphoric Misanthropia. This is Dimu Borger with a remixed and remastered version of Blessings Upon the Throne of Tyranny. Behavior. What's happening in this thing? 
There we go. That was Demu Borgir with Blessings Upon the Throne of Tyranny. Uh, you know, I mentioned that they were kind of taking a page out of Mayhem's book there uh, with a Grand Declaration of War. And uh, the funny tie-in there is that uh, I was listening to Alan Averill's podcast, uh, Alan being the singer of Primordial, and he had Nick Barker on his podcast. Um, it's usually a one-man show, but every now and again he'll have a, a friend of his, you know, a musician friend from another band kind of uh, chime in. And uh, he had Nick Barker there for one episode, and they were just kind of talking about his career and stuff like that. But um, Alan asked him, you know, the the drum sound on Puritanical is so upfront and in your face and tr heavily triggered, you know, kick drums and stuff like that. And that wasn't really uh, what they had done before on their earlier albums or anything like that. So Alan asked him if it was his idea or whose idea was it to make the drum sound like that. And uh, Nick said that it was his idea because he had heard Grand Declaration of War and really liked just the cold kind of um, mechanical kind of feel that the drums had on that album. So he's the one that kind of pitched it to the other guys in Debu Borgir and they went along with it and everything. So I thought that was interesting that Grand Declaration of War kind of influenced his drum sound for that album. Uh, all right, we're moving on here. This band has been around since 98 as a bit of a super group uh, out of Sweden. The band is Bloodbath and... I first heard Bloodbath with their second album, Nightmares Made Flesh, and um, I loved that record. Like It had Peter from Hypocrisy on vocals, uh, and then I went backwards from there and listened to the debut. And of course, uh, the Creeping Death little EP that they did, that was kind of their first release. But uh, yeah, it was initially like Michael from Opeth on vocals, and it was like Dan Swano and Anders uh, from Catatonia on guitar, and then Jonas... Uh, from Catatonia on bass and the story goes that they were just really drunk one night and talking about how much they loved like classic American death metal and then they decided that they would just kind of like 
write some songs that night you know they wrote like two songs three songs that night and recorded it on like a little four track or eight track recorder and uh, they were all just hammered basically and did it for fun and then somebody heard it and said oh this definitely needs to get signed you guys should do an album and all that kind of stuff and it just kind of took off from there so Michael from Opeth has been in and out over the years but he's been out for the last several years I don't think he'll ever come back to it um, but they got Nick Holmes from Paradise Lost on vocals this is for the last couple of albums soon to be three albums here and I do not like his voice I don't like his voice in Paradise Lost his normal singing voice I don't like his growling voice I don't like it and um, he's improved a little bit with each subsequent release like with Bloodbath but the first one he sang on with Bloodbath is a joke to me like he, it sounds like if I asked one of my friends who does not listen to death metal to do his best death metal voice for me right now and uh, that's pretty much what it sounded like to my ears but yeah he sounded a little better on the last one and he sounds uh, even better still on um, the singles that they've released for this uh, this upcoming one but yeah he's still my my least favorite vocalist they've had so far but um, they're about to release a new record called survival of the sickest coming out on uh, September 9th of this year through napalm records it's their sixth album now and uh, yeah, like I said, this is the third one with Nick on vocals. And I love the album cover, and I kind of like that they put the album title in quotes. For some reason, that just kind of makes it look more like 80s to me. <laughs> but production's cool, the songs are cool. Uh, they have the guitar player from Leek uh, in the band now. And uh, Martin, you know, who just basically got dismissed from, um, from Opeth on drums, uh, he's the drummer for Bloodbath, but he's been kind of MIA from all the bloodbath like promotional stuff for this album like he played on the record but he's been absent from shows um i can't remember uh, i can't remember who they have drumming right now for live shows and stuff but rumor has it is that it was martin's um vaccine status that got him kicked out of opeth because they weren't allowed into certain places to play these shows and he was just kind of the one holdout member that wasn't uh, gonna get vaccinated for them to go play so I'm wondering if that kind of plays into his absence from Bloodbath as well. Maybe they haven't been able to play certain festivals and such due to his vaccine status. So he's just been sitting out, no clue long term if he's going to be the guy or if they're going to move on with, uh, with a different drummer, who knows. But anyways, here we go off of the upcoming album, Survival of the Sickest. This is Bloodbath with Carved.
Alright, that was Bloodbath from Sweden with Carved. Pretty cool song, and uh, yeah, like I said, Nick is sounding better the more he does it, pretty much, because he got to a point with Paradise Lost where he really wasn't growling much uh, anymore, so I think him rejoining Bloodbath kind of prompted him to kind of get back into it. Doing it. He's doing it more with Paradise Lost these days on more recent albums, and then, uh, you know, the more he does it with Bloodbath... I think he's sounding, he's getting it back, he's getting it back, I guess. I was never a fan of it, even when it was at its best, but he's sound, he's passable now <laughs> for me. But that's a really cool tune. I mean, I'm always going to check out the records when they release them, so uh, this one's got another week or two before it comes out. Let's go to Louisiana here out of the USA. This band's been around since 97, which I didn't realize they've been going for that long uh, the band is Goat Whore, and I've never been a huge fan, but I've always really respected them because they're always out there. They're always touring, and um, they've really kind of paid their, their dues out on the road, and they, uh, they've gotten as popular as they are for good reason, because they've always been in the public eye. They're on every tour, it seems. Uh, I have seen them maybe three times, and it's just like Children of Bodom, pretty much, where I've seen them several times, but never actually gone to a concert for the purpose of seeing them. <laughs> They're always just on the show, opening the show or whatever. But they were good. They were always a good live band. Um, it's just kind of speed metal meets black metal with real satanic lyrics, and they've kind of been doing it the same way their entire career. Um, I think... I think they just played here just this past week, actually. I could be wrong. If not, if it wasn't this past week, I think it's coming up soon, actually. I can't remember, but uh, there's a lot of shows coming through recently. But yeah, they're on tour again, basically, so they never stop. But they're about to release a new record on October 7th called Angels Hung from the Arches of Heaven. That'll come out through Metal Blade, and that's going to be their eighth album, which is uh, kind of crazy, because I think when I first heard of them, they'd only released, like, two, <laughs> you know? And they've just been going and going since then. But uh, they released the first single off of it, and it's pretty cool. It's kind of, they're like the American Destroyer 666, almost, you know? Not quite, but I kind of equate the two of them just with their, uh, their aesthetic as well, what they wear on stage and all that kind of stuff, and it just kind of has a similar feel to it. Uh, but yeah, single's pretty cool. They've only released the one single so far, so I'm going to play it now. So off of the upcoming album, Angels Hung from the Arches of Heaven, this is Goat Whore with Born of Satan's Flesh.
right, there we go. That was Goat Whore from Louisiana with Born of Satan's Flesh. That's a really cool song. Um, I don't know why I haven't been like a big fan of theirs, because, I mean, it's good stuff, but it's hard to explain. It just hasn't quite connected. Uh, it hasn't had any staying power, I guess, put it that way. I'll listen to it and kind of nod my head at the end of it and say, all right, that was cool. I like that, but I don't really find myself going back to it. That's really all. Uh, we're going to Sweden here. This band um, has existed since 2007. And this cat, will you stop? My son's cat is meowing. He's He always waits till I hit record, and then he's a complete nuisance for the next hour and a half. Um, but yeah, this band is called Trial, and they existed under the name Trial from 2007 to 2017. And then they ran into some issues with the name as far as uh, having the rights to it. So they changed it to Trial SWE, meaning that they're the, the version of Trial that's from Sweden. So when you type it out, it looks a bit strange. But when you look at their logo, it still basically just says Trial. They just used the where the I is dotted. It's a very tiny little SWE <laughs> is what makes up the dot of the I. So it hasn't changed their logo much, but um, I first heard them on Radio Fenris years ago uh, after the release of their second album uh, called Vessels, and really good, just really good guitar work and a real classic metal type vibe, but it doesn't sound retro, like it still sounds modern to me, but uh, the vocalist, the guy Linus, the old vocalist, was phenomenal, like his range is insane, and they fired him. Uh, so they released Vessels, and then they got signed to Metal Blade, and I remember being pretty excited for them, because they're a really good band. Um, so I was kind of psyched that they got signed to such a big label. And then they released an album uh, in 2017 called Motherless, and it was not good. Um, I d it just did not have any of the real catchy songs that Vessels had. Um, the guitar work was still great, the vocals were still great, but the songs were just boring, and they were not catchy like they were not memorable at all and it was just weird it's I don't know what happened there between those two albums but Motherless just did nothing for me and I wasn't alone in that there's a lot of, uh, of ratings for that album out there where people were just kind of like I don't know you know confused about what happened to this band but they fired the vocalist which is a, uh, a very bold step to take because he had insane range and a really really good voice but I mean if, if he's <laughs> causing problems in the band, then you, it's the wise move, you know, to get rid of him. So they did, and they announced this new vocalist whose name is escaping me right now. Um, but they released an EP, kind of single type thing. I want to say it was just like one original and one cover uh, that they released maybe a year or two ago. Maybe a year ago. And that was kind of meh. Like, the cover was okay. The original song was just not bad, but not great. Um, so yeah, since then, they've announced uh, an upcoming album, which is coming out on uh, September 2nd, called Feed the Fire, and that's their fourth album overall, and uh, their second one through Metal Blade. And it'll be that first one with the new vocalist, and they've released two singles off of it so far, and they've both been great, so I'm feeling pretty good here. I think they might be uh, rebounding with this new album, and uh, the new vocalist really shows his range in this uh, second single that they released, so that's the one I'm going to play. Because this one really feels like they're back to me. Um, really catchy song, great guitar work, excellent vocals, uh, production's really good. So yeah, I'm excited for this one. And I only have to wait another week, pretty much. So 
Here we go, off of the upcoming album, Feed the Fire. This is Trial Within the Highest.
Alright, that was Trial within the highest, and really, really liking that song. I've listened to it uh, many times over the past week, and um, I'm marking the calendar. I only have to wait until Friday, and that one's coming out. Uh, Alright, let's move on here to Ireland, out of Dublin. This band has been going since 2018, and it features a couple of members of uh, the Irish band Verkalak, which I'm a big fan of. Um, I've played something from them before. The band's called Sacrilegia, and they've only released one album so far, uh, but they're coming out with a new EP, I guess it is. It's coming out on September 30th. Um, so I think I saw the announcement for that, and it just kind of made me go back and revisit this debut album. Uh, the album's called The Triclavian Advent, and that came out in uh, April of 2019 through Invictus uh, Productions, and that is actually um, the label run by one of the members from Verkalax. So they kind of have an in there with their label. It was just kind of a no-brainer that they would be the ones to release it. But the band is basically like blackened thrash, just kind of blackened speed metal, and uh, it's not the same at all as like Goat Whore that we listened to earlier, but they go for kind of a thinner, slightly more lo-fi, uh, production, a more raw production, and uh, it's great. I mean, I love Verkalak, and Verkalak's more of kind of an avant-garde-ish black metal. They just kind of have some weird guitar work going on, but uh, but not like Blue Douse Nord type weird. <laughs> but I really like that band a lot, so this one's a nice kind of change of pace, uh, you know, having some of the same members, but doing kind of a, a different thrashy style here. But the album's great. If you haven't heard it, uh, I suggest you check it out, and then just kind of keep your eyes peeled for the new EP coming out on September 30th. So here we go off of the 2019 debut album, The Triclavian Advent. This is Sacrilegia with Relics of Oncoming Doom.
there we have it. That is Sacrilegia from Dublin, Ireland, with Relics of Oncoming Doom. Alright, we're going back to the USA here, out of Tampa, Florida. Um, been around since 93. That band is Six Feet Under, originally formed as a side project for Chris Barnes from Cannibal Corpse, and um, did a demo that was well-received, and, uh, you know, Cannibal was already signed to Metal Blade, so it was only natural that Six Feet Under also signed to Metal Blade. Um, they've released 12 records up to this point, and I'm not including the Graveyard Classics albums because those are just cover songs. So, yeah, they've done 12 records of original music, and um, apart from the first two, I don't think the rest of them are any good. Um, and that goes for all of them. <laughs> so... Don't say, well, what about this one? What about that one? No, I've heard them all. And uh, outside of like the first two records, I just don't like uh, Chris Barnes's voice. Uh, his high vocals were never any good anyways, but they've just gotten worse and worse over the years. And now his low vocals sound god-awful. And they have for quite a while now. Um, but I love the debut. The debut album Haunted had Alan West from Obituary on guitar. And the whole record basically just sounds like obituary with Chris Barnes singing on it, pretty much. Um, so I really like that record. Very straightforward and simple. In fact, my old band, uh, Obsidian Throne, one of the first songs we ever learned as a band, like we, we each picked like a cover song and decided we would just learn like four or five covers as the first things that we ever learned as a band. And uh, one of those songs was Lycanthropy from this album, from Haunted, from Six Feet Under, and so easy to play. Um, but the whole album's like that. Incredibly simple riffing, but really effective. Just really heavy, catchy. Um, but yeah, I kind of have a Six Feet Under stories. Like, the last album that they released, which I can't even remember the title of, but it just came out like a year or two ago, uh, was so bad. And they have Jack Owen on guitar, you know, formerly of, of Cannibal Corpse, and he's such a good guitar player. And he had quit Deicide. And then he popped up uh, in Six Feet Under with his old bandmate, and uh, I thought, okay, well, this could be cool having Jack back. But I don't even think the music is, is any good. Like, it's just so basic, and it's just not good. And Chris sounds horrendous on it. Like, it's so comical. And here's how you know it's bad, is that when Metal Blade would post the videos, like lyric videos and stuff for new songs, they would... Um, disable comments on the YouTube <laughs> video because they know damn well that it's just going to be like a thousand people just trashing Chris Barnes's vocals. So me and my bandmates in Krigsgrove um, were among those that were having a pretty good laugh at the new Six Feet Under and uh, Chris Barnes in his pig squeal, you know, high vocals that he still tries to do. And um, so yeah, we talked a fair amount of shit so as a joke, for Justin's birthday last year, um, I paid for a cameo from Chris Barnes wishing Justin a happy birthday. And um, I expected it to be a short little, like, 20-second, like, hey, man, happy birthday, this is Chris Barnes from Six Feet Under. and But he spoke for, like, two and a half minutes. He was kind of ranting about stuff, you know, just he was just kind of talking in circles, basically. But he seemed like... A super nice dude so I sent it to Justin and we all had a laugh about it but then he's like now I kind of feel bad for making fun of him so much because he actually seems like a genuinely nice guy <laughs> so I was like yeah you're right he does but I still have it I saved that cameo too I'm, I'm sure Justin probably did as well but uh, but yes anyways back to 
the episode here. I'm just kind of um, meandering about with that story there, but let's get back on track here. So I'm going to play something off of uh, my favorite Six Feet Under record, which is the debut. So that was Haunted from 1995. So here we go. This is Six Feet Under with The Enemy Inside. Yeah. <laughs> 
was six feet under from tampa florida with the enemy inside yeah i love that obituary musical vibe with his vocals over it Uh, that was a great record and it was never really the same after that after alan west was wasn't in the band anymore uh all right we're going to austria here this band has been going since 2013 and frankly i know nothing about them i came across uh, a youtube video on one of the like black metal channels that i follow and um, they shared a video on uh, their Facebook page and um, I just kind of came across it and listened to it and thought it was really cool. So I've checked out the rest of this record and I really enjoy it. Um, uh, They've released four albums and I have not checked out the first three but that band is called Natrunar and they are kind of epic black metal, um, very kind of melodic vibes, not really folky per se, but um, they have long songs and just have a really big feel to it and a nice kind of melodic touch. It's not really in-your-face aggressive or anything like that, but uh, they just released this album in um, July of this year called Wolfstunde, and that came out on July 10th. Fourth album, as I said, it's their first one in four years. The last one was 2018, but this came out through Altair Productions, and it's good. As I said, the song's very long. not you know insane or anything like that but like this particular song is is pushing 10 minutes but um, this one I feel is the most complete song as far as having a lot of diversity within it Um, so hopefully it'll kind of stay interesting for you guys I really like this song a lot I think the record's really good Um, it's on the agenda to check out some of their earlier stuff I just haven't done it yet because this band is still pretty pretty fresh for me so give me some time I'll get I'll get to it so here we go, off of the fourth album, Wolfstunde. This is Natrunar with Nein Weihenechte.
There we go. That was Not Runar with Nine Vianekta. I'm probably not putting enough uh, phlegm in that pronunciation, but <laughs> German is not my thing. Uh, Alright, yeah, that's a damn cool song, and you see what I mean as far as them, like, not really being too folky, but there's still some elements in there with all the acoustic guitars and such. Um, but that's a great record. I suggest you check it out again. That record is called Wolfstunde. Um, Alright, we're going to California here. This band existed originally from 87 to 95 and then uh, reformed in 2009 and they're still going now. That band is Autopsy and I remember a, a friend of mine was surprised, uh, not a close friend or anything, but like an acquaintance kind of in the music scene um, who was very shocked that I had posted something like whenever they had first kind of reformed and they were releasing that big comeback album uh, called Macabre Eternal and I was just raving about it on Facebook and talking about how good it was and he was like I would have never pegged you as somebody that was an autopsy fan which is true because I tend to listen to a lot more you know stuff like we just heard <laughs> from Not Runar um, stuff that's more on the black metal side or kind of the folky side and stuff like that um, so yeah, he was surprised that I was into such uh, primitive and filthy old-school death metal, but they're one band that I've always really liked. They're just those nasty vocals, just kind of a muddy production, and um, kind of simple but really effective and heavy songs. So yeah, they haven't put out an album in uh, over eight years now, and uh, they just recently announced that they're going to be releasing their eighth album on September 30th called Morbidity Triumphant. And that's getting released through Peaceville, and they released the cover art and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but they put out the first single. It's more on the doomy side. You know, they, they do pick up the pace uh, here and there within the song, but it's more on kind of that that kind of filthy, heavy, doomy side. And uh, I really like it. So cover art is phenomenal. And uh, this is their first record with the new bass player as well. Um, I forget his first name. Is it Joe Trevisano? I think that was his name but he was the bass player he was their longest serving bass player that they've ever had because they're kind of notorious for like spinal tap with drummers that was them with bass players uh for years and years and then trevisano stayed with them for a while there he even had some writing credits on uh on a couple of these albums with a song here and the song there so yeah he left i think he's just focusing on family life and stuff you know he knew they were going to be working on a new record and going to be playing more uh, festivals and tours and stuff again. So I think he was probably wanting to get out before it got to into all that. So uh, they got a new bass player. I want to say his first name was Greg, like Wilkerson, Wilkinson, something like that. But um, from the live footage I've seen of them, you know, with him, he looks to fit right in. His, you know, his playing and his uh, energy on stage and everything like that. Uh, he, he fits right in with those guys, so this will be the first record with him. So here we go, coming out September 30th, off of Morbidity Triumphant. This is Autopsy with Skin by Skin. <laughs>
Autopsy with Skin by Skin off of the upcoming album Morbidity Triumphant. Yeah, I mean, they don't really change the formula, do they? <laughs> but I still really like it. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be checking it out when it comes out for sure. Um, okay, back to Sweden here. This band's been going since 98, and they are a pretty uh, pure black metal band. That band is Kraft. They have evolved their sound a bit over the years. Um, and I've played some more recent stuff uh, from Kraft, and, um, but I'm going to dive back into the early stuff here. I first heard of them after their second album came out, which was called Terror Propaganda. I remember seeing ads for it in different magazines, you know, metal magazines that I used to read. And they just had that really um, black and white um, portrait, you know, of, a, of one of the band members like on the cover, and it just was very reminiscent of the old Dark Throne Records. Um, how they would put themselves on the cover like that. So that's really what made me check it out, and, uh, and I really liked that particular record, and then I went back and listened to the debut, and uh, really enjoyed that as well. And then they've just kind of evolved from there, like from uh, Fuck the Universe onward, they've kind of, uh, they haven't had the same sound as those first two albums, but it's not really drastic of, of a change or anything, it's just kind of a natural evolution that they've taken, but... The debut was uh, very straightforward, just cold, aggressive, kind of has some atmosphere to it, but not a ton. They just kind of keep it more straightforward. Um, it had a really good feel to it, but uh, those first two records, if you like that real kind of old school, just rotten black metal, um, they're, they're good records, and uh, I'm glad that they're still going. Because I really liked their last couple of albums as well, so uh, the evolution they've taken, I'm a big fan of. I'm, uh, I'm eager to see kind of where they take it on the next one. So the debut came out in 2000. It's called Total Soul Rape, and that's their debut out of five. I think they're up to now, but it came out through the Black Hand Records. And yeah, as I said, this wasn't the first time I heard them, but I went back and checked it out not long after hearing their second album, and I really dug this one a lot as well. So I've played some newer stuff, and now we're playing the old stuff. So off of the debut album Total Soul Rape, this is Kraft with Death to Planet Earth. <laughs> Thank you. 
All right, it just cuts from there. That was Craft with Death to Planet Earth. All right, we are jumping back to Sweden here. Well, actually, we were just in Sweden. We're staying in Sweden. Um, this band's been going since 2021, but there are uh, a lot of familiar faces. Some old dudes that have been doing it for a long time out of the uh, kind of mellow death Swedish scene, and that band is The Halo Effect, and that consists of uh, Michael Stan from Dark Tranquility on vocals and a bunch of ex-members of, uh, of In Flames, basically, uh, rounding out the rest of the lineup. Jesper Stromblad is uh, on guitar, which I kind of thought he was not going to be doing music anymore because of his uh, drug and alcohol issues. Like He kind of intentionally removed himself from that world in an effort to uh, get better. And then uh, I was surprised to see that he was in this band uh, as a guitar player and one of the main songwriters and everything. And sure enough, ever since they launched their first few singles and then this album coming out, he's already kind of had some uh, some issues. So um, they're kind of not, I don't think they're playing any shows for the foreseeable future while he kind of works on himself, continues to work on himself. But uh, they just released their debut album called Days of the Lost on uh, August 12th through Nuclear Blast. And they had released some singles uh, prior to this, and um, they were good. They were very good. And the album is great, and I've been kind of disappointed in the last few Dark Tranquility albums. Uh, they haven't released a great one since Fiction, and even then, Fiction is far from perfect. Um, but like to me, Damage Done is like cream of the crop for Dark Tranquility. But um, this album is not on par with Damage Done, but I will say this is better than the last few Dark Tranquility records. And uh, my friend Eric actually sent me a message after this came out. I had already listened to it uh, that day, and I guess he got around to listening to it as well. So that night he messaged me and said, so this, uh, this Halo Effect album is uh, pretty much the one that we've been asking for from Dark Tranquility for the last, like, ten years. So I said, yeah, it definitely is, because it's more guitar-forward, and, you know, there's no weird uh, electronics and stuff, which is fine in Dark Tranquility, but uh, it's not, you know... Having a more guitar-forward album kind of brings back... brings me back to the heyday of, of Dark Tranquility, but... Um, it's a great record. It just puts together the best parts of Dark Tranquility and In Flames together in one band, basically. Um, so if you haven't heard it, uh, I suggest checking it out. You know, Michael sounds great on his vocals. He's never really lost anything off of his voice over the years anyways. So here we go. This is one of the more uh, entertaining tracks from the record. So off of Days of the Lost, this is the Halo Effect with Conditional.
right, there we go. That was the Halo effect with Conditional. Yeah, that album again, it's called Days of the Lost, and um, it's great. I will say that I was kind of hoping that Michael would not do any clean vocals on it. I was hoping that he would just kind of stay aggressive for the whole album, but there are some moments on there where he sings clean. He can carry a tune, but his voice is just not my favorite, his clean voice, that is. I love his growling voice. Um, Alright, we're going to Norway here. This band's been around since 91, and I've played them many times on the podcast. That is Satyricon. I don't think I've played anything off of this album before. I could be wrong. The album in question is The Age of Nero. That came out in November of 08. Uh, that's their seventh album out of ten. Although I kind of have a hard time recognizing uh, this new one. Maybe I don't even know if I did recognize them in that total of ten. But um, this new one that they released is uh, basically background music from this uh, art exhibit that they collaborated with um, with uh, with Munk and Satyricon is the name of the album because the uh, the art exhibit in Oslo for Munk and his works they wrote music to like pair with it and designed you know a whole room with special lighting and stuff to kind of be this journey for the person who's walking through and looking at the artwork and I'm sure it pairs very well with the artwork and it's a cool experience when you're there but the album itself I checked it out and it's it's really boring there's nothing going on it's just background just atmospheric stuff you know it's fine but I'm like eh I don't know if I would have slapped the Satyricon name on it and released it as a Satyricon record but yeah that's a definite pass uh, from me but this record I was a big fan of Now Diabolical uh, which I want to say came out in 05 and uh, this was the follow-up to that, so I was very, uh, you know, eager to hear it because uh, I kind of liked the like kind of black and roll vibes that you got on uh, several of the songs on Now Diabolical. And the song I'm going to play is called "My Skin Is Cold," and I actually heard that song uh, played for the very first time uh, before it was ever released on the album and stuff like that. The first time they ever played it live was at the 2008. Uh, Inferno Festival, and uh, my band at the time, Obsidian Throne, played that festival. We we got selected out of hundreds of demos that were sent in. They only selected uh, two bands, I believe. One was uh, Whip from Norway, and the other one was Us in the USA. So we, they basically said, you can do it if you're able to cover all of your own costs. Basically, they weren't really going to pay us anything. I think they paid us $250 is what we uh, got out of that. Meanwhile, we all spent like thousands to, <laughs> to fly out there to play it. But uh, it was an amazing experience, and we actually played the same night as Satyricon. Uh, we were on the second stage, the smaller stage, and they headlined the night uh, on the main stage. So I was front row for that. And uh, it was amazing, and they played My Skin is Cold for the first time, and I really love the main opening riff of this song. It kind of has some uh, some retro black metal vibes to it, kind of that atmosphere from some 90s black metal, but still packaged in a more modern kind of black and roll uh, kind of finish, you know. They, they, they kind of combined those things very well on this record, and it's a record that I liked but didn't love at the time, and it's one that I have uh, grown to enjoy a lot more over the years. Um, but yeah, I hear this song, and it takes me right back to being in Oslo in the front row, first time hearing it, so I'm going to share it with you now. So off of The Age of Nero, this is Satyricon with My Skin is Cold. Oh, 
There we go. That was Satyricon with My Skin is Cold. Great song. I think that kind of blends the old and the new Satyricon sounds uh, all together really well, and it's super catchy. Um, yeah, that's a great record. If you're like me and you kind of didn't love it back then, just revisit it. I think you'll appreciate it more, more these days. Uh, all right, we're going back to the USA here for the next couple, uh, actually. This one's out of uh, New Hampshire. They actually don't exist anymore. Um, they existed from 2010 to 2018, and uh, I first heard of them from my friend uh, Corey. He was a big fan of their debut. The band is Vatnet Viscar, and they released an album in 2013 called Sky Swallower that, um, while it remained underground, you know, it didn't launch them into popularity or anything. It was some. It was a really well-regarded album. Uh, interesting cover art, great production. Um, it was kind of black metal, but it definitely had that American black metal touch to it. Like it was that kind of post-black metal type vibe. You know, they even had that look. You know, everybody kind of had short hair and no face paint or anything like that. And, uh, but they're kind of comparable to a band like Downfall of Gaia, I would say, uh, from Germany. But, um, but yeah, I remember one of my other bands from back in the day, uh, Of Oak. We played a show with them, um, and they were just releasing their second album. And uh, the second album I liked a lot, and the name is escaping me right now. Settler, I believe it was called. Um, but yeah, that one came out, and I liked it a lot, except for one thing, and that was that they had distortion on the vocals, but they had distortion over 100% of the vocals. Like To me, the distortion is... is impactful when you use it sparingly and then switch back to you know regular vocals without the distortion but yeah they had like every second of vocals on that album was distorted and I didn't quite like that but the songs were great um, but I remember at that time uh, they had a, a new member the bass player I think his name was Casey super nice dude um, whenever we played that show you know he was they had already loaded in and all that and he was there just kind of hanging out at the bar and he very outgoing dude, just struck up a conversation, said, hey, are you with one of the opening bands? And yeah, you know, which band are you guys? And just talking to us, just hanging out um, the whole evening and um, telling us all about the new album and what it's going to be like because it hadn't been released yet and he was showing us what the cover art's going to be and all that kind of stuff. Um, but as nice of a dude as he was, I feel like when he joined the band, he kind of started pushing them in a different direction musically and they just kind of went along with it and I'm sure they wouldn't have gone along with it unless they actually wanted to do it but um, but yeah I, I did notice that kind of once he joined the band things started changing with their sound and then uh, eventually they released an album in like 2017 maybe um, that was just called Votnet because they had dropped the Viscar from their name so it was basically a self-titled record it was just called Votnet and it had a really just avant-garde looking cover just a weird cover for this kind of genre and the music was not good <laughs> it was really not good at all and uh, I think the response to that album was uh, such that eh, they probably regretted it a little bit so they disbanded shortly thereafter and Casey has moved on to uh, to other bands I think he plays in a band called Astronoid which is kind of more you know proggy stuff but he plays guitar in that one but again, super nice dude. I'm not going to sit here and say he ruined this band, but I just think whatever direction 
that they started going in after they got him in the band uh, maybe wasn't quite right for them, you know. But this debut remains a uh, shining moment, and the second album, it, you know, other than the distorted vocals, is fantastic as well. So I'm going to play one slightly longer song, but an excellent one. Um, so here we go, off of the 2013 debut Sky Swallower. This is Vatnet Viscar with Mythos.
Alright. That was Vatnet Viscar from New Hampshire with Mythos off of their debut album Sky Swallower. Um, alright. We're staying in the USA, as I said. I honestly can't remember where abouts this band was from, which state. Um, but they existed from 92 to 2002, and that is Judas Iscariot. And they are considered kind of a a godfather of sorts uh, when it comes to American black metal uh, because there really wasn't a whole lot of that going on in uh, the US back in the early 90s. I mean we had bands like Vaughn and Absu and Judas Iscariot and uh, and then others you know followed shortly thereafter but um, yeah Judas Iscariot called it quits in 2002 because the main guy who went by the stage name of Akhenaten um, basically <laughs> He said he was just disgusted with uh, life in the United States. He hated it there and hated what it was turning into in society there. So he just packed up his stuff and moved to Germany. So he still lives in Germany to this day. I think he was doing some live bass for Nargaroth. You know, he kind of had a a good friendship going with uh, the main guy from that band. So he was filling in here and there with Nargaroth. But, um, yeah, the Judas Iscariot stuff is kind of all over the place. Like, it's very primitive uh, straight up, you know, kind of atmospheric um, black metal, and he played all the instruments except for the last couple of releases. Uh, he had gotten himself a, a proper drummer by that point, because uh, the drums on the earlier material is more, you know, simplistic. But um, but yeah, the production on every album is wildly different, and uh, this one is one of the main reasons why it's my favorite album is because of the production. It's kind of the best, most palatable production of all of his albums I would say that album is of great eternity it came out in 1997 it's his third full-length album there were some EPs and stuff peppered in there as well but yeah third album out of seven full lengths and that came out through uh, Elegy Records but it also has the most striking uh, cover art to me in fact I actually referenced that album cover um, whenever Giant of the Mountain whenever we did our most recent uh, EP called Mountain's Blood and we were submitting an idea uh, to the artist to do the cover art. It's the same artist that they've used for their last several uh, album covers. So um, they were looking for, you know, some references basically to tell him what we wanted color-wise and stuff like that. So I actually submitted this album cover as kind of the template for the kind of color palette for him to use for the uh, cover art for our EP. So a little fun fact for you right there. So, here we go, off of my personal favorite record of theirs, 1997's Of Great Eternity. This is Judas Iscariot with Calls to Heaven for Human Blood. Right. 
Alright, there we go. That was Judas Iscariot with Calls to Heaven for Human Blood off of Of Great Eternity. Yeah, they're definitely a, a good snapshot of that 90s, just primitive, Dark Throne-esque uh, style of black metal. Uh, Alright, it's time to finish out the episode here. I want to thank everybody, as always, for listening. Thanks for telling other people about the podcast. Uh, if you want to tell somebody where they can listen, they can listen online at bloodandfireradio.podbean.com and on the free Podbean app. And, of course, the uh, catalog of episodes is also available on Spotify. So you can find it there and follow the podcast. Uh, you can also send me any sort of uh, requests or feedback or critiques or anything like that. You can email me uh, at bloodandfireradio at gmail.com. And, of course, please find and like the Facebook page because any sort of updates uh, regarding future episodes or poll questions for you guys, the audience, uh, it's all going to be posted there. So any sort of news regarding the podcast, it's all going to be on Facebook, so find it and like the page, please. Um, yeah, normally I'm kind of like one episode ahead with what bands I want to play, and I haven't even gotten started on 126, so I have no idea what's going to be on that one or no theme, I can tell you that much. But yes, I fully expect to be uh, on time in two weeks with the next episode. So be on the lookout for that. So let's finish strong here. I love this band. This is a band from Russia that's been going since 2014. And it consists of two twin brothers. And uh, that band is Grima. And Grima, they wear these masks that are basically made out of wood. It's just total just wood grain, thick wooden masks. It almost looks like the one that Jim Carrey wears in the movie The Mask, <laughs> but they wear those uh, with these cloaks or whatever, but um, they both, they play all the instruments on their albums, and I've actually been a fan of theirs since uh, the debut. They've been really on a roll, releasing albums very quickly. There's a quick turnaround from one album to the next, like almost just one album a year, and um, I first heard them when they only had the debut out, and they were just releasing the second album because they were uh, label mates with Krigsgrav on uh, Nature Mocked Productions, and they are still with Nature Mocked, and I think that's excellent. I think that's a real feather in the cap uh, for that label as well to have this band uh, still there uh, after this long. And they've gotten more and more popular, at least in my little circles of friends and musicians and such that have heard of them. Um, but yeah, their last couple of albums have made it onto my like end of the year. Uh, best albums of the year list and uh, this one might might make it on this year's honestly they just released their fifth album called Frostbitten that came out on July 29th um, of this year again that's through Nature Mock this is their third album in three years uh, so they've really been on a roll but um, great cover art as always the production's great uh, it was on the last album as well but the songs are so epic and they're so well done and they just kind of uh, really are riding this wave of, uh, of creativity, you know, really well. Um, it's not drastically different from the last two. Um, it's just more of the same, just kind of done a little better. Like, they just kind of have gotten better compositionally, and everything's just really effective and really epic. And, uh, yeah, I'm loving it. I love this record. So if you haven't heard it yet, I suggest you check it out, especially if you like any of their previous albums. So here we go. Let's finish this out. I'll see you guys in two weeks with episode 126. So here we go. Off of the album Frostbitten, this is Grima with Gloomy Heart of the Coldest Land. Cheers.